HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Pico Oysters, turning water into brine on Long Island's North Fork. I'm Brian Kenny, and you're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, they've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. This is What Doesn't Kill You Food Industry Insights. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and I'm in Madrid. Um, And today I'm going to chat with uh, Patricia Derrada, from Compassion in World Farming and Alberto Diaz, Diaz from Handa. Handa. So, what are those? First, let's let's organize. What are those organizations? What are you guys? What are you guys all about? Okay, so thank you for for being in, in Madrid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, my pleasure, darling. Believe me, it is entirely my pleasure. Yes, and uh, well, so as you said, my name is Patricia Derrada, and I'm the Spanish representative of Compassion in World Farming. Uh, Compassion is an international organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are um, uh, working mainly for the um, farm animals and. Um, we are uh, fighting industrial farming uh, for more than 50 years. Wow. Yeah. So despite in Spain we are really young because uh, it's uh, only one year and a half or something like this mm-hmm. that we are working here. But uh, internationally we are a little bit older. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and Alberto, what is Handa? I've never heard of your organization. Um, and it's an animal welfare association. Uh-huh. Uh, so we are focusing animal welfare, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and I started uh, its activities 30 years ago. It's now, now in September, it's going to be 30 years. Wow! And it's uh, the field work has been focused on farm animals from the beginning, farm animals, lab animals, and wildlife in, capti- in captivity mm-hmm. versus zoos or, so zoos or circuses. And, yeah. So. Uh, from the very beginning, it was a bit of a strange association under the Spanish idea of an association because at that time it was not so used 
to see animal welfare associations out of the dogs and cats and bullfighting and so on. Right. But from the very beginning, ANDA was out of these issues. And uh, we created in Brussels in 1989 a Eurogroup for Animals, that is a kind of European plat platform in which now Compassion is too. At that mm -hmm. time we were four or five European associations, now we are near to 48 or 49. 48 organizations mm -hmm. devoted to animal welfare, wow. And the idea has always been from the very beginning uh, trying to get in touch and trying to get in contact with industry, with authorities, trying to avoid the image or Mm, vegetarianism, 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 yes. and vegetarianism. So, so you don't want to be so associated like a pita, not or being kept in that right. cage, in that box. Yes. And uh, as a result, I do think that uh, and that has a credibility between the industry and the mm -hmm. and the ministries and so on. Thanks to that. Yes. And uh, in the other side. We have been completely involved in the development or development of alternative uh, systems. So we are not against meat consumption, but, right. said, but we are trying to have another kind of meat. Yeah, That's happy meat. <laughs> well, we have one organization in the United States that I really admire called the Nyman Ranch, and it's a consortium of about 800 family farms, and they all have to adhere to a set of protocols on how they raise the animals and they are inspected by the Nyman Ranch um, you know sort of supervisors to make sure that they're conforming to what those protocols are and the animals are raised pretty much on pasture or in you know bedded down in straw it's mostly a pork industry but they have beef and they're expanding but they you know, that to me is kind of the model because it is industrial production, it's large-scale production, but the animals are well-treated and the farmers are well-treated because they're guaranteed mm -hmm. a price for their pork. So before we get too deep into what you guys are doing, let's talk a little bit, if you don't mind, just give us a thumbnail idea of what pork farming or meat farming in Spain looked like until up until you started seeing the rise of industrialized production? Well, so before, I think in Spain we had a, a more uh, uh, family uh, hmm. industry. Yeah, it was traditional. Yeah, the traditional way of, uh, of, of farming. And um, uh, it was more um, around the country, not in not so... Um, um, concentrated. concentrated. So now it's, it's been sort of... Yeah. Put into certain areas of yes. Spain. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. they're building big slaughterhouses yes, or processing plants there. I think so. Mm -hmm. For example, for the, the, the pork industry is mainly in in the north. Uh, Catalonia mm -hmm. uh, is the, the mm -hmm. mainly uh, region mm -hmm. with uh, pork production. And it's like concentrated yeah. in different uh, provinces. The starting point was related to self-consumption. Yes. In a rural country. So right. when we were, we were in the past, a rural country in which everyone has a house in each town and they have a pig or two pigs or three pigs in their barn. Right. And they kill the pig for themselves or they kill the pig in, in a small slaughterhouse, local slaughterhouse, a small slaughterhouse. 
in a town, in a very small town, uh, we were keeping the traditional means. What happens is that Spain changed and uh, we are not a rural country anymore. We don't have, the large majority of people don't have pigs in, <laughs> in the jar, in the barn, in, 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 in the town. Certainly in Madrid. <laughs> so we have now urban citizens yeah. and at the same time the kind of um, cons- the, the model of consumption changes. We were coming oh, from yes. a Mediterranean diet mm-hmm. and that, uh, for that we don't need so much. Of course, in the, in the, Medi- in the Mediterran- traditional Mediterranean diet, they are forced to be, in, uh, meat needs to be there because it is yeah. there and fish. But selfish, not so much. but not yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. Right. And many times it's just birds, it's just poultry that people, as Patricia has said, could raise near the city in a small right. land, they could raise that. So that changed completely and from that small consumption of meat, we, we enter another kind of model of consumption. When did that start happening? It started when the, if you want, where, when it's the same that is happening now with the Muslim countries. Mm-hmm. When the middle class started to raise their, their average salary. I see. When, uh, when, when you grow up, economically speaking, and when you go, you need to, to demonstrate that you have this kind of new wealth, even if it is a middle wealth, but, mm-hmm. but you have it, uh, the model changed uh, a lot. I do think that mainly, or in, in some way, uh, some publicity coming from the state and coming from the big business were starting to be there, uh, uh, forcing you to eat pork every day and to eat um, poultry every day and to eat beef every day. So um, at the end, that means that you need cheap meat, cheap eggs, cheap milk. Right. Cheap everything. Cheap everything yeah. in the city, in the supermarkets in the city. It's yeah. when every, everything changed, and especially when the Spain enters the European Union, the yes. borders are, were open, and we have this flood of meat products and milking products coming uh, from, from the rest of countries that at that time, they were already intensified. Right, when so Germany, Germany, Germany France, France Belgium, Holland, in the case of PIC, clearly yeah. Denmark and Holland. Yes. So um, it was very difficult for the Spanish farmer to compete yes. for prices. In the system, we were raising pigs. Mm. Yeah. So it's when Catalonia, the north of Catalonia, that they already have a tradition in doing chorizos mm-hmm. and this kind of uh, uh, sausages right, and so right. on. They already have the tradition based in traditional ways of, of, of uh, breeding and raising animals and they discovered and that if they wanted to, to be kept in the market, in that market that, that, it, that was for, focused on prices, they needed to change it. Mm-hmm. And Catalonia started, uh, after Catalonia probably Aragon yes. came, Murcia was the last one to mm-hmm. enter this system, uh, Valencia uh, and the east of Castilla Leon, mainly yes. the, the, the part of Soria, Segovia, mm-hmm. uh, Castilla La Mancha, to Albacete. It's mainly north, northeast. Northeast of yeah. Spain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some areas 
in the west of Spain near the border with Portugal, yeah. as they have this yeah. kind of special breed, the Iberian breed, that, that they, if they want, they fight a bit this tendency of, of quick intensification. Uh -huh. That doesn't mean that they have not been intensified, because they have been intensified, but not so clearly in this way of yeah. Catal the Catalonian deed. Or Where it's very concentrated. Yeah. Yeah. Is it one or two or three companies that are dominating this industrialized... Yes, in Patri so is three. Yeah. In Patri really? they are three. Many in Pigs, many. Many many companies in, in pigs, pigs many companies. in poultry it's three because yes. the the um, the business of the pork industry meat um, is uh, is huge. Huge is um, uh, one of the main industries uh, of Spain. So I read that it's you're now the third largest the third, producer yeah. of yeah. pork in. Um, in, is it in the, in the EU or in the, the EU? In, in the yeah, EU, the second one after Germany, of course. Right. Well, yeah. even more than Denmark. Hmm? Even yes. more than Denmark. Talking about numbers, yeah. yes. If we talk about number of pigs per citizen, yeah. So depending the statistics you are using, uh, but right. uh, the 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 total number, and in some years, the number of pigs in Spain has been higher than Germany. Yes, wow. this is what I wanted. We to are say. always fighting, if you yes. want, between Germany and Spain, depending the the year. But one thing that is important to notice about this is uh, even in the in these years uh, that Germany is uh, ha uh, ha um, higher production of, mm -hmm. of pigs uh, in Spain, uh, we have the the highest number of caged uh, animals. Oh. So the systems, the intensive systems yeah. used in Spain, are always uh, one of the highest in all Europe. So let's talk about the system for a second because, um, so you guys, in the United States, we're phasing out gestation crates, farrowing crates. Yeah. Um, they still have the animals in, you know, barns, but right? They are. But this is, is being, because of public opinion. But the full time, because here they are prohibited to. They're prohibited to have the but, animals, like a, they, they can't keep a pharaoh in when the, when the female is uh, giving birth, mm -hmm. still the animal is She's kept. still in the gestation crate. Because in Europe they are forbidden. That's what I thought. Yeah, but, but the but gestation crate. Just okay. six weeks before the pharaoh yes, uh, is giving birth, yeah. you can. And after the, the birth, and after the birth, you have until the wind, until the, the, the until the wind. And, wind yes. and at what age do you wean? In the states, it's like two five weeks. Months. No, we that depends on the breed. Five, 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 five weeks, five weeks, five weeks, Wow. Still, I mean, it's uh, two weeks before yeah. and five weeks after. It's mainly yeah. like uh, half the year for the soul is a cage. Yes, because she has a three, she breathes three times in a, in a, cycle, in a yeah, year. Yeah. 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 India is just to avoid, I mean, you know that these animals, they are multi-birth. Yes. They yeah. 10, many. 15 piglets, yes. Because they, they, they are always, naturally, the, 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 the rate of survival of each piglet is not very high. It's for that that they are multi, yes. multi, Beth, <laughs> multi... Yeah, yeah, right. Big litters. Big, yeah. Because three, four piglets always die naturally. Yeah. What happens is that, of course, the farmers, they want to, uh, to keep, to keep of alive 100% of the piglets. Yes. Instead of saying, okay, we, all, we already have in our numbers that 
20% of the piglets are going to be killed, uh, aplastados. Um, They're going to be squished. Squished, yeah. squished yeah. by the mother. It's, it's yeah. natural in, right. in their system. But they, they don't like it. So they want to, to yeah. go ahead with every single piglet. Right. And here we, we find the problem uh, with the antibiotics too. Oh yeah, let's talk about antibiotics. Yeah. yeah. So you have a very high, I was reading on... Um, I don't know whose website, but a report on antibiotic use in Spain. You, you guys, I thought the World Health Organization and the EU Parliament had yeah. issued regulations for the entire EU about the use of antibiotics. I do think that uh, antibiotics use is going to have a, an end. I'm yeah, I'm but you haven't gotten there yet. We still have them. But, but if, if we maintain this intensive system in the same way, it's impossible to get rid of antibiotics because without antibiotics, mm. animals die in, in these conditions. Right. And, and so but, we, but we have well, to know they, that. We but if they look at the way the Danish or the, or the Dutch farm pigs, they do an intensive system. Mm. But because but of the probiotics, better feed, more space, slightly less access to uh, concentration. No, I mean, right. Yeah. Anyway, but they still have intensive. But they're not losing. They don't. They the do not use antibiotics. The densities in Europe are 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 the same everywhere. Yeah. It's written down in the directive. Right. Number of pigs per square meter. Yeah. It is the same in. Oh, really? In Denmark, than in Spain. But it depends. There are some countries that improve the legislation. At the yes, but the densities level. in the current label mm -hmm. is the same everywhere. Mm -hmm. Another thing is that Denmark could have 20, is what they have now, I think 20, 25% of their production in a special labeling scheme. Mm -hmm. But not of the official one, in another labeling scheme. Oh. A labeling scheme. Uh, a, a label. A, a concrete label. label a right. different label mm -hmm. that is more welfare. More, an animal welfare label. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see. Right. An animal welfare So in that, that depends the success that these animal welfare labels, that is another issue to talk about, <laughs> have in each country. What happens is that in Denmark, not so much in well, Holland too, in the case of yeah. pigs, yeah. Holland, Denmark, in Germany, for example, they have animal welfare labels, very success succeeded in milk and in beef, but not in pig. But not in pork. Interesting. Why? I don't know. Um, Why? Probably because the industry has lobbied the local you know, in, but government. In the case, in the case I mean, that's of Denmark and Holland, they do have this labeling scheme for animal welfare in pigs, and it works. Yes. I mean, I mean it, it, it has succeeded. And it, for these labeling schemes, the densities are lower. But mainly because and we, we need to keep in, in mind that in, in the case of Holland and Denmark, even in, if in Spain we have more pigs, we don't have the problem of uh, land than they have. Right. They, far, they have a real problem in Denmark and Holland. They have a real problem with number of pigs per citizen uh -huh. that we don't have here. Even we have more total... Or because here at the end, if you go to Girona, you can have the same percentage of pigs per citizens than in Denmark or in Holland. But if you consider the full of Spain, 
Of course, I don't know how many pigs we could have per citizen, but of course it's, much, it's, it's going to be much lower, lower, lower than the Dutch or the, sure. or the Danish. They have a, pro, a real problem with... Because uh, don't, they don't have as much space as you yeah. have. They are, we are talking are about very small, small countries. Yes, very small. Very small exactly. countries. And you need to, 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 make, uh, to manage mm-hmm. all the purine, waste. waste and everything. You need to manage it. Here the problem could be locally, focus in some town that has a lot, a big business. But in Holland, this problem is overspread all, all over the country. So how have they melt? How have they managed to deal with their waste? But it's for that that they have convinced the population about this problem, and that is the reason for which these animal welfare labors are succeed so much in these countries ah, because the, the population is very aware of uh, even the government um, because the government is pushing to it's, they to are go. pushing they know yeah. that they can't go ahead they uh, can't just let them squirt manure all over more, the, the countryside they already, right, right. they already know it yeah and they are aware of it and the citizens are aware of it and the governments are aware of it right so they say okay we have these densities that are allowed and they're the directive, but uh, it is better to create a better system or a better label, yeah. <laughs> reducing densities in order yeah. to have a more sustainable. Sure, a more sustainable system. So, how do they manage their waste? Uh, because I mean, as I was describing yeah. to you before we started recording, like what happened in North Carolina with those manure lagoons. They pay. They pay. So the companies pay. It's the same that we are doing with the. Pollution. Do you guys put the big, um, like in the States, the better places will put like a, a rubber tarp over no. a lagoon and they introduce bio digesters yeah, yeah, into yeah. it and then those eat up all of the microbia and all that stuff? Yeah. You have in Europe per country, you have the, you are allowed to manage some kind, some quantity of big uh, uh, waste. Yeah. And if you exceed it, you, it's like the pollution with the right. climate change. If you exceed it, you can buy the right. uh, to the another country, credits. to Czech Republic. You can buy your right to manage the waste of your pigs. Yeah, and uh, that's the way it's it's, it's dealt with. It's so you have what today. we would call carbon credits or pollution credits that you can buy, sell, yeah. or yeah. trade. Yeah. With other industries or with other people within that, we did it in the past industry. with the milk too, with the milk water. Yeah, it's the same system, and mm-hmm. countries were buying and selling to each other. Yeah, but, but the real fact is for the you know for for the village involved in all this production is that uh, this manure is uh, mainly spread right yeah. over the land. Right, and, that's how we do it is, too. This Probably. is too much because we have the uh, same problem. Uh, the, the, the soils are, are, are getting. Uh, yeah. um, they can't absorb it. Yes, they can yeah. absorb it. It's too much. And the, the, the water is polluted by nitrates. Yes. Uh, so, uh, this is a very uh, real big problem because in Spain, uh, despite the, the consumption of meat is decreasing. In the in the last years, the production is growing up, right? Because we are exporting so much. For right. example, to China. I was going to ask China, you about that Russia. because I heard that there was a recently that uh, one Spanish company signed a huge contract with a Chinese uh, company hmm. to import pigs. 
and, and with that the it States was, too. And the United States too. Mm. With Fermin. Fermin. And then Alberca. Oh. Uh, embutido, embutido. Uh, Sosici, Fermin Sosici is the name. Huh. And they are, make, they are doing ecological because we have asked them about castration and, and so on. And they are producing, they, this is the first ecological brand for the production of Iberian Iberian oh, ham. In the United States. And they are exporting it to the United States. Oh, oh, I see. So okay. we are buying pigs yeah. pork yeah. from them. That's interesting. Yeah, well, well we sell a lot of pork. But, but they are good, maybe. But they are good you, the top, the, yes. the top yeah. right. So it's top of the line. Yeah. Yeah. The, the production uh, to China is, <laughs> yeah, is, is the, you know, the intensive one. Um, yeah, I heard, because that, that's why I was asking you earlier about the genetics, because the Iberian pig could not really survive in uh, intensive um, yeah, if, if the animal has a 100% of Iberian breed, yeah. yeah, take care about that. Yeah. Right. You so that's what I was saying. Like the Chinese want to buy the Iberian pork, but Iberian pork can't survive intensive farming. So but they're maybe, not getting 100% Iberian. Yeah. They're getting across I'm with not the sure if The big one that, that is sending, I don't know to China, but to Russia. They are sending to Russia is Iglesias, is the one, the Embutidos Iglesias, is the one that is sending to Russia, the, the main one. And the, and they are coming from the from Salamanca. So we are talking about semi-intensive. We are talking about um, two months maximum in freedom. Right. And what it takes the you last guys, two months to grow your pigs they do, they, If the animal is kept outdoors, just two months before it is slaughtered, yeah. it is very difficult to make a distinction in flavor. Really? If it has been kept outside in the last term of its life. Wow. In the case of the guijuelo, it's very clear. But uh, and I think uh, the, the flavor is mainly by the, the, the food. You can have intensive pigs and feed it feed it, uh, with, uh, yeah. with the same yeah. food, yeah. so the flavor is it's still there. But yeah. the, the, but the muscle is not yeah, being no. moved as much. One yeah. problem with that, what happens is that uh, if the animal is not, big, is not kept outside at least some small time before it is slaughtered, the relation between meat and fat yeah. Uh, changes. That's right. You can do a ham, but uh, the, 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 the presentation of it is not the same because it's, uh, the, the, it has more fat right. than meat right. when it has been kept uh, in, in a jar. It's the kind sure. of infiltrated. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's what we call marbling. Yeah, right? Yeah. Isn't that what we call marbling? Do you think that a Russian consumer can different, can different between, yeah. between the kind the, the percentage of fat in meat even many of the Spaniards I doubt that can, <laughs> that can make a difference between being, uh, with it, for, it me, is, for me the problem always is uh, the way uh, that animals are, are raised you know so um, despite of the of the quality of the product that in fact if you give to the animals a better better life 
you will uh, have a better product. This is yes. I mean, they. Um, you know, that seems to have been pretty well established, actually. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's true with poultry. It's true with pigs. Mm. It's certainly true with cattle. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's a question of you know. Uh, and it is a question of breeds too. No. Yeah. yeah. Genetics. In the case of poultry. You can raise poultry out of the cage following the campaign, but we are here, we are supporting the Humboldt breed and the Wilcon, Wilcon's 400 breed. Mm -hmm. That's not a... This episode is brought to you by Pico Oysters, turning water into brine on Long Island's North Fork. Grown out of Little Peconic Bay, Pico Oysters are the only oysters based out of New Suffolk, New York. Owner, farmer, and avid fisherman Peter Stein founded Pico Oysters in 2016 after leaving a corporate job in business consulting and educational software. It's his love and passion for the area and his farm that makes eating and learning about Picos so enjoyable. Taste one and see for yourself. Learn more at PicoOysters.com. That's P-E-E-K-O Oysters.com. Not a, a bird. <laughs> that's, right. That's right. a plastic bird. <laughs> of course, of course, that can be raised outdoors and in a low, how do you call it? low rate of of growth. Yeah. Because in these cases, many times the breeds they are here is where the where the multinationals and the came with the breeds is where they are. Sure. Because the of genetic. Course. There are four big the genetic companies in the world, world, right? With real low, with low. Yeah. It's for that that when we ent when, when when everyone in Eurogroup when we have been started, we are going to push for grow low growth. Low growth. Right. Right. Take care because at the end probably uh, you are making the August we called to the one of these genetic. Lines because if you don't push for it in parallel yeah. with other kind of requests, yeah. you are helping to, to sustain to, with this plastic bird to go ahead, of course, with a low, uh, low grow right. rate, right. of course, of course, and well, out of the cage, of course. Yeah. But you are at the end taking out from an individual cage to put the plastic bird in a collective. Cage. Yeah, that's what they are. And at the end, the, if you if we want to talk about rural development, family systems, we are not helping doing it. No. So everything that, in my opinion, everything must be in the same mm -hmm. box. Animal welfare, traditional breeds. Yeah. And time. I don't mind if the because what is low growth rate? 50 days. Who has said? Who has said that? 15 right. days. Why? That right. depends on the breed. Yeah. Of course, this kind of plastic birds, if we call it a low rate, they need 15, uh, 55 days. Right. But there are many Spanish breeds locally that they are without being uh, growth uh, very fast. They have two kilos in 35 days. Why really? Not? Why not? Yeah, why not? It's the natural growth of that right. animal. In, the, in Galicia, right, so or in Portugal, the... or in Galicia, they have local breeds yeah. that in 
30, 30, 35, before 40, 40 days, mm -hmm. they are already, they have already, because they are eating, we are talking in very humid parts of Spain with mm -hmm. a lot of, of greenery. In less than 40 days, they already have two kilos. Wow. Why are we going to, be, to, keep, to keep the animal until 55 kilos? Sure. So, it is true that we need to balance uh, a bit in order to avoid, at the end, how can we go? In order to avoid intensifying the nest, what, what it is called alternative, yeah. but at the end, it's not that. It's another intensifying system that has been set up for, from some business that they know that people is more aware today about animal welfare and so they put animal they create an intensive animal welfare system mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, so everything in my opinion everything must be considered in the same case and I, I do think that's the future yeah. not animal welfare by itself not animal welfare indicators by itself but animal welfare indicators along with another kind of Well, along with, the, I mean, we, we haven't really talked much about the impact on rural communities. I mean, you were saying that uh, for if it's one small village and some company comes in and they bring in a place where they get more jobs and stuff like that, that's great and that's great for that community. But it's, it's having the same impact that it's had, I think, all over the world, which is that smaller farms are being swallowed. And you are yeah. to the production of the next town. Right. You are uh, forcing them to disappear. That's right. That's right. You're having an impact on towns surrounding that. Of area. course, you don't have the impact in your town. Yeah. But in the in the in the other 100 towns nearby, yeah, you are forcing them to disappear. Yeah. yeah. So small farms are disappearing, and uh, and the impact in the in the citizens' lives is really high because of mm. smell. Uh, because yes. of pollution of water and soil, right? Um, you know, even sometimes these uh, um, big industry intensive industries are allocated uh, really near to the to the village, to the yeah. first houses. So uh, citizens are always fighting because they have to respect uh, the the minimum. Uh, Uh, distance mm. between right. farms and, and the village and it's complicated but it's not um, it's uh, not uh, something that uh, any family may want to, to have near near the house you know <laughs> no kidding I've been at a big farm yes Ooh. of course now so let's um, we should probably wrap it up pretty soon so let's talk a little bit about the pushback like who You know, you guys have a pretty robust, it seems like a robust community of organizations like yours that are kind of pushing, you know, whether it's local community organizations or bigger organizations like yours that are coordinating to kind of shut this down. What, what are your tactics? I mean, how do you persuade a town, for example, to say, no, I don't think we want that in our town? Or... How do you, um, for example, in your case, Alberto, where you work with, within the industry and you say, you know, you have to keep these things in consideration, how, how are you guys able to change the way the, the companies do business? Up until now, and that could be can change in the future, we need to, to take into account that up until now, ANDA has been more or less alone with this approach. Oh, wow because the rest of the animal welfare the animal welfare people in, in Spain 
either they were focused on bullfighting, dogs, cats, and so or they they have this kind of vegetarian line. Right. Okay? So Landa has been living alone in the last mm. 30 years with this approach, not alone, but with this approach, it has been the only one. Right. And now we have compassion in Spain. Right. Uh, so what we have done up until, up until now has been concrete agreements with the in, with part of the industry. Mm-hmm. Agreements with part of the industry and agreements uh, with uh, retailers. Retailers. Mm-hmm. And agreements with um, consumers associations. Uh-huh. Is the way that we have been, the three ways we have been using the banking now. In some lines, we are further than are in the others. Right. Uh, so probably where we are more developing this line is in with eggs. Uh, with eggs. Yes, mm-hmm. with eggs. That we have already a, a, a brand that is called Anda. Mm-hmm. So oh, and, cool. and we don't mind to pour our logo in uh, meat production. We sure. also, it's a label. See, and the label is called Anna, and it can be found in the Corte Inglés or whatever. I'm going to be looking for it. Yeah, in the Corte Inglés. <laughs> I so, ate eggs last night. <laughs> they were in great. In that case, what that means, uh, uh, as you know, animal welfare, thanks God, and I think that's good, is how it has been, a, it was not, but now it's a trend. Yeah. And now we everyone is going to have animal welfare. And that, that is good. Yeah, it's great. But what happened is that not all the so-called animal welfare is animal welfare mm-hmm. in reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it is uh, published as animal welfare label, that doesn't mean that you have a real animal welfare behind you. Really? And uh, what happens for us is that has been a hindrance because how to identify the real one and to, to separate it from this other current production that not, because now the current production is animal or is claiming to have animal welfare oh. even the current produ- production mm-hmm. because the, we have it has not happened in the rest of Europe but in Spain as, as we didn't have an animal welfare labeling because we didn't have there has been a more or less, now we have more or less an, an official mm, mm-hmm. animal welfare label that is managed by the Normalization Association, Spanish Association. Mm-hmm. But a government uh, entity. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's independent, but it's coming from the government. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The government has set this private business, but it's lying to the government and lying to the public universities at the same time, veterinarians uh, or in, in, uh, in investi- investigation uh, research, insti- in research institutes, but yeah. all of them are official, more or less, linked to official universities or linked to, to ministries. Mm-hmm. And to comply with this animal welfare labor is so easy that everyone can do it. Not today, but I, I, I can think that probably in five six years, everyone is going to have this labeling. Because it's weak. Yeah, yeah, this is because we have a, a really uh, low level of uh, animal welfare legislation. 
mm-hmm. and not not only mm-hmm. at, at the national level in Spain, but it's a it's an issue in, in all Europe. So we have to improve that legislation to mm-hmm. improve uh, animal welfare in, in all the, the production. So. Um, yeah. It's not so easy uh, to to uh, to get the label of I'm a good business, I'm a good mm-hmm. producer because I'm I'm doing animal welfare, and in fact, uh, well, animal welfare is having an, a a lion uh, hen in a cage for all the life. Right. That's and part I, of the animal I, welfare standard yeah. is that it's okay to it's, have a it's cage a Right. And I you can have the animal welfare or you can have the hen not in a cage, mm-hmm. just in the Indoors. ground. Yeah. And you can open um, a, a hole, hole yeah. a hole in the yeah. in the wall to a uh, in Cordoba and Andalusia without any tree to a yard. Yeah. I invite you to go in August. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and they are and they are labeling labeled as free range eggs oh, because of course the bird thing. has a possibility to go out if he wants right but so we have been in this kind of labeling uh, that not the official one but the lab- when the labeling is coming in, in in agreements between business and NGOs is when it can work uh-huh. so in, you can put because now you can, it, as, as it is a private agreement you can in this agreement you can introduce whatever you want right. and in this system the yard must have trees right. uh, the inspector when giving the credit uh, the, or the audit must check that the yard is used every square meter for by every bird right so that means that the yard has, that they really are going outside a reason to be there, not right. just to have my ex under the number one or zero. Right. So, we, we need, but this, at the, at the same time, this general animal welfare label, the official one, uh, has been a problem with the, 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 still the people that wants to do it differently and wants to do it because how to differentiate it in the market. Yeah. Because someone, the, the current one, at the end, the current one is appropriating the the quality that should be where it is right. and they know that people like it and they appropriating the, the I, I can't I mean I can't tell you how absolutely parallel this is to what's happened in the United States I mean it's I know that the, the, this the is such an eye-opener for me because I thought that it was a much better you know, better regulations, better government regulations over meat production here, but it's exactly the same. Yeah, we, we copied your system. Yes, you did. Everybody <laughs> in the and world and We, we copied yes. in all, because now you have, in the past, with you in the States, you were setting up some animal welfare legislation that you have yes, stopped like it. in California. And you have changed it now to private agreements. Yeah. And that's exactly what is happening in Europe. The European Commission and European Parliament, four years ago, they said clearly that we are not going to we are we were not going to have any new legislation. That everything was going to be placed in civil dialogue groups, animal welfare platform, places in which in where you can have private agreements. Uh-huh. But they don't want, and they say clearly, we are not going to set up new legislation, not today, not in the future. 
But we are going to create all the um, platforms, guides, right? Um, whatever we're going to create is, propaganda. Yeah, yeah. But we're not going whatever to. Whatever that change. is not binding, that is not legally bind, binding, binding, bi yes, binding. But it can help to have private schemes, mm -hmm. and is where we are now. Yeah. Well, I think that mainly, mainly the the European Union are given a, a kind of freedom of, uh, to yeah. every country. Yeah. So I think it's a, a right and a, um, uh, we have to do it like a citizens that we must push our governments to, to make better schemes of uh, animal welfare right. in production right. because this is the way. And uh, so this is one of the reasons that now we are uh, having this uh, um, uh, European Citizens Initiative in all Europe uh, uh, that, well, Compassion Initiative, but many organizations as ANDA and 145 uh, mm -hmm. other organizations in all Europe are joining to, to push the, the European Commission uh, to show that the, the consumer and the citizens are asking for a better and a higher level of animal welfare. And we must move, uh, in this case we are uh, fighting for cages, yeah. we must move uh, out of the use of cages in, in all industry. Right. So, yeah, yeah it's I a mean, big task. <laughs> okay, I have one last question. When you change your production from, you know, when we were talking about cheap meat, cheap eggs, cheap dairy, okay, so Americans are addicted to cheap food. What about here? Don't you have pushback from citizens who say, I like this really cheap food. I don't want to pay more for animal welfare because I don't care. Is that, because that is very prevalent in the United States. Uh, in the United Kingdom, too. Yeah. Though we have not in that level. I mean, do you know when the... The, además, it, uh, besides, it has been demonstrated. I, they are so, sociological studies saying so. Yeah. Uh, when the level of non-meat eaters, vegetarians, is near between 10 and 12 percent of the population, mm -hmm. as it happens in the States or in the United Kingdom, it is very difficult to go ahead. Huh. To 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 mm -hmm. to. To grow one percent, it's near impossible. Why? Because is what happens is what you are saying. Because the people that is animal friendly is already there, and the rest of the population is completely. It, they don't mind. I mean, it's okay. Well, we they have, want their McDonald's. I mean, I, mean, but they, I want my McNuggets, and I want. But them what's to happening in the United I mean. Kingdom is okay. Once again, the. These people right. about it's animals. Oh, yeah, they it's are always about the animal suffering. <laughs> oh my God! Again. <laughs> so once you have what's happening in Spain is we are not still in this situation. We could be, you know, and, and things. We may improve. We may improve, but now we are in the last ten years. We are in five percent, mm. and the, the last uh, study commissioned by uh, Compassion about fish, uh, we were five percent of the not meat eaters in 1999 and today we are still at 5%, has been the same, it's stabilized. Mm -hmm. But that means that we have still a, um, yes, a way, a way up, to, to walk. Up, up. <laughs> yeah, so we got a way to go. Yeah. We are not in that position in which people, as United Kingdom can be, or Belgium, that people is even a bit 
fed up with animal welfare. My God, once again, these people is always. Yeah, but yeah. this is why it's important, you know, the, the, <coughs> um, this uh, approach to this big group of uh, of consumers, of meat eaters, mm. and uh, we want them. I think under too. We yeah. want them to uh, to say, okay, uh, do you want to eat meat? It's okay, but let's uh, eat less meat and better meat. And better meat. For me, that's, that's the way. That's yeah, the way. me too. Not less to increase meat. the number of vegetarians because no. you are in 10% and what happens now? Well, and then also, I mean, there are all the ancillary businesses that would have to disappear and then there is the value of having animals out on pasture. I mean, there's a myriad reasons why animals need to be continued to be produced. It's just... That's our opinion too. Yeah, yeah. it's just how you produce them is, is, is where you have to push the industry to do better. And, um, and the other thing that I love about your approach at Honda and also yours at Compassion is that you guys actually work with the industry. You're not just screaming about how horrible these companies are and how everybody is trying to make money and yeah. they don't care about anything. I don't think that's true. You know, I no, no. And I can say to you that uh, Anda has credibility in its business. We have, have another problem with uh, this uh, hormona and the PMSG. Yeah. And uh, there are many associations in it, but the, the business that has been involved has called directly Anda because they didn't mind about the other ones. They right. know, they are crazy people, but why are you there? And right. they, they, they were focused on Anda. Right. They wanted Anda out of it. And yeah. they didn't mind about the rest, but they, they wanted Anda out of it. So they have, I mean, they are not crazy people. They're not crazy. And also, I mean, just... They know where change, they have. They have to change their model as well, because yeah. we can't have these intensive soy... And they know they need there. support from NGOs. Yes. And they know where the NGO with which right. you can talk is. Right. They right. know perfectly. We right. have now a big, big business of milk that I have not approached them. It has been them who has approached oh, me, me as your, your group. Yeah, yeah. Well, Patricia and Alberto, thank you so, so much for spending your time with me today. And we'll stay in touch. I'm here for a month. So, you know, there's right. always more to talk about. Like, I'd love to do a show about dairy. <laughs> I did eight episodes of uh, my podcast about the dairy industry in the United States last yeah. year, mm -hmm. it's, it's, which is collapsing right in front yeah. of us. So, plenty to talk about. Thank you so much for your help, and thanks Thank you. for your work. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family and become a member. Thanks for listening. Feeding on your